I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we will help you learn to invest in 20 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? Very good, Bryce. How are you? Very well. Yeah, I think we're up to episode... Is this 99? Mate, we're getting very close to the to the 100 mark, not including our summer series. We didn't include them. So I think technically speaking, we've punched across 100. But uh, series three, 2019, yes, we are about to hit 100 episodes. Who would have thought? No, no not me. No, I'm surprised they're still going. Yeah, surprised people are still listening. <laughs> yeah, more and more people, which is great. Yeah. All yeah, joining the journey. Yeah, which is probably a nice little segue into what we're going to do here. No, you're right. So this episode, Ren, we thought we would take a moment to reflect on why do we invest? It's a good opportunity for everyone who has joined the Equity Mates community over the last sort of six months or so, uh, maybe even the last 12, to get an insight into, I think, what motivates us to invest, some of the ways that we invest. And I guess we'll summarize what we've learned really over the last two two and a bit years of actually doing this podcast yeah so i think it's going to be a good episode yeah i think so i think uh there's a lot of people who've probably well there's definitely a lot of people that have joined us recently who i know some people go back and listen from episode one and full credit to you if you do that's mm. there's a lot of content to get through mm. but for people who've sort of picked it up recently they probably don't know the backstory for for equity mates so Maybe we start there and just uh, talk about, you know, what it was 2016. Yes, the summer of 16. Neither of us really knew a lot about investing. We met at, what, we met at uni, we sort of dabbled in the market a bit, uh, got lucky a few times. Uh, I got unlucky a few times as well. Uh, <laughs> um, and we sort of, we were looking around for resources that were out there for you know people like us who were new to the markets. Neither of us studied finance, and there wasn't really anything. There wasn't really any podcasts, at least. Like, there's a lot of really good podcasts for people who are in the know and who are in the market and who understand the jargon and the technicalities and you know all all the different different forms of investing. But for people who didn't know the difference between an ETF and an LIC or who couldn't tell you what a quant was if their life depended on it. We were sort of shut out. So we, we thought we'd uh, try and learn a thing or two and fill that gap. Yeah, and record our journey as we went. This was primarily an excuse for us just to go and talk to people in the industry that we would probably not, not otherwise get the opportunity to do. And also, yeah, we, we thought it would be a good idea just to record how we battled our way through the complex world of investing and with the idea that others would get on board and learn along the way with us. And I think that's what we've been able to achieve, Ren. So we've got a great community now. So I guess to start with, Ren, why do we invest? To summarize, I guess, do you think the way that you think about investing has changed since 
the summer of 16 when we first started this on <laughs> the balcony in Rushcutters Bay. The summer of 16, <laughs> almost as good as the summer of 69. <laughs> um, look, yeah, for me, 100%. I, um, I think, honestly, when I started investing, I very much thought that you had to pick stocks and uh, that was the only way you could do it. And so a lot of the time that we spent at uni together was me trying to you know find an individual company that i thought would do well and backing it in uh, i reckon the biggest thing i've learned over the last two years is just the variety of different ways people can invest so for me that just the understanding the diversity of different options out there all of whom do quite well for themselves and all of whom have made money and then the second one was just how if you don't pick stocks and you just get the market average return over a long period of time, you will do very well for yourself. Mm, mm. What about you? Any uh, any big lessons? Uh, I always like to talk about the control of emotion over the last two years has probably been one of my biggest lessons for myself personally, but kind of in line with what you were saying you know, you really get an understanding that investing is a is a an individual at the end of the day, an individual thing. Um, no one can really do it for you. No one can tell you how to do it. You know, you can't really close your eyes and follow someone and expect to get the same results because, as you were saying, you know, everyone has their own strategy. Uh, everyone has their own way of looking at stocks. You know, you you could have ten people looking at the same stocks and they would all come out with a different thesis and a different perspective on it. So. I think one of the things that I've learned, as you said, Ren, is that there are so many ways in which to invest, but it's very important to develop your own strategy. And I think consistency with a strategy is one of the things that I'm really starting to hone in on at the moment. Being consistent with a long-term approach is is probably one of the biggest lessons that I'm getting from a lot of people that we discuss and a lot of the books that we're reading, you know, is the importance of developing that a strategy and then sticking with it over a long period of time that's where you get the returns out of the market is over over a longer period of time yeah 100 percent. so i reckon at this point we're two and a bit years in we for a while there had converged on a, a sort of similar way of investing and saying the market you have now briefly gone off and decided that Short-term investing in charts might be a, a little oh, side project on. for you, but <laughs> I think I think on the whole we probably agree more than we disagree on um, our view on the market. Mm. Should we sort of split this into what the view is, and then why it is that way, and why we invest that way, and then maybe talk about why we like stocks over some other asset classes that people might might be interested in investing in. Absolutely. Take it away. Okay. So, how we invest. So, as we mentioned before, there are heaps of different ways that people invest and heaps of different ways people make money. But I think for us, the way that intuitively makes sense and has sort of been proven over a long period of time for you know numerous investors is to view the shares that you're buying as ownership stakes in a company because that's what they are and invest in businesses that are good businesses that can earn you as the owner of the business your share of the profits. So to do that, you look for companies that 
have moats is what they're called, but they're really just long-term competitive advantages. They're things that make businesses hard to compete with and hard to beat. Amazon has a really effective moat because it has so much pricing power. Facebook has a really effective moat because of its network effect. These are companies that are really hard to disrupt, really hard to break into. So that's the idea. So you're looking for those kind of companies. And the other thing, so you want companies that have good moats and then companies that can earn profits from these moats then have the ability to reinvest them and to grow. So, you know, if a company is is really big and has a really good moat but doesn't have anywhere to spend its money to continue to grow, then that's probably not the best investment over the long term. So that's that's sort of what we look for. We look for good companies that can earn a lot of money for a long period of time and reinvest that money really effectively. And then we hold those companies for a really long time. Yeah. I agree, Ren. Yeah. If you think about how people become wealthy in the world and they become wealthy by owning businesses at the end of the day and investing gives you, your mums and dads, the retail investors, you and I, the ability to invest in some of the best businesses in the world and at the end of the day have you know, the world and those many thousands of people that work for those businesses essentially working for you. And investing gives you the ability to, I guess, participate in the business growth and everything that that business sort of offers its owners. And so I think that's one of the the best parts about investing is that it really gives us an opportunity to get access to that and develop wealth uh, over a longer period of time. And as you said, if, if you're choosing companies that have a good valuation and reinvest their capital well and have good management, then you can really set yourself up and protect yourself for the future and I guess hopefully not have to depend on uh, the paycheck that you're working for whoever you're working for, you know, in your 40s and 50s and start to really generate a good passive income from the investments that you're making in these awesome businesses really. And, And investing is not a domestic thing anymore. You know, the technology now allows us to invest from our lounge room in almost any company that you can think of that's publicly listed around the world, really. You know, there's opportunity to invest in America, in emerging markets, Europe, Australia. You, you know, it's you can do it with the click of a button these days. So I think that's one of the biggest things with investing. If you, As you said at the start, Ren, if you think about it as a way of owning businesses for a long period of time, then, yeah, it's that's probably what, how we and why we invest. Yeah, 100%. It's very rare that you can just go to your computer and buy an ownership stake in a business. That's something that has really only been the case for the last 20 years maybe. So we do live in a really uh, exciting time and you know really accessible time and we should be taking advantage of that. And yeah, look, as you said, (laughs) these companies literally compete ruthlessly to hire the most, like the smartest people, the most effective talent and they put a whole lot of money into R&D and find new ways to compete in new markets for the sole purpose of returning money to their owners that's why these businesses exist that's why they compete so hard and you have the opportunity to be one of those owners to benefit from all these incredibly smart people's hard work from the businesses that they've built for their whole lives why would you not do that why would you just 
why would you settle for just a paycheck when you mm. could you know settle for a paycheck and then have all these incredibly smart people working for a business that you own Man, it gets me excited just yeah. talking about it. <laughs> I want to buy some more stocks. <laughs> I think I just really want to quickly add to that point, as, uh, not to that point, but another reason of why we invest. I think it's a really good way of looking at the world as well and that you really benefit in so many other aspects than just a financial benefit. You know, looking at and understanding different industries and, and companies and how the economy works and how they all relate to each other and business cycles and interest rates and all these little things that all add together to help you develop an understanding and a thesis for stocks and companies and your strategy. You know, over time, if you start to really understand how this all comes together, it's it's really beneficial um, just for, I mean, general literacy, financial literacy for yourself. So I think that's a, a byproduct of, you know, finding good investments. You, you need to understand all the little components that go into it. And that's something that I think I've really enjoyed over the last two years is really delving into that as well. And, you know, you certainly go down rabbit holes and um, <laughs> find lots of things. <laughs> would you agree? I, I would, I would, yeah. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's what keeps life interesting, you know, those, yeah. those rabbit holes. <laughs> so I think we've definitely made our case for viewing companies as businesses and by uh, viewing shares as ownership stakes in those businesses. Probably we should t- quickly touch on why we think about it in the long term because a lot of people, especially people who work in finance, will trade day to day people who work for investors and you know hedge funds and uh, fund managers will have quarterly reporting requirements and they're they're a lot more short-term focused because of that I think in a general sense that is the one advantage that you have as a you know mum and dad retail investor just an everyday person who's putting their money in the market is that you don't have any short-term performance incentives. You're not a hedge fund manager who if you don't deliver a quarterly result, people will start pulling money out. So you really can take that long-term focus. There's a technical term for it that's sort of sprung up recently. It's called time horizon arbitrage. Don't worry about that. Just the, it, it is literally just you, you don't have to tell everyone how you've gone every three months. So that gives you a lot more Ability to think long term and to have your stocks go down in the short term, but over the long term go really well. And you really should take advantage of that because, you know, if not everyone has that ability, that gives you an advantage. The beauty of long term investing, where the real the real value comes in, is in compound interest. And I reckon, you know, we often talk about investing and finance not being taught very well at schools. I reckon this is the one thing that needs to be taught better. You get taught about it in maths, you know, how to calculate compound interest, what the formula is, but you don't understand the power of it, I think. And it is literally, it's the easiest way that you as someone can make money without doing anything. Just if you get a consistent rate of return over a long period of time, your money can really start to grow. To give you a worked example, if you put 10 grand in 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 the market and you left it for 20 years and you just got the average return that the the Australian market has got since 1900 which is 9.96% a year 
you would have $66,500 by the end of 20 years by literally doing nothing and just letting your money grow. If you put that 10 grand in and then every month from your paycheck, you put $500 in, you would have almost half a million dollars from that 10 grand by the end of 20 years. And, and the reason for that is in the first year you put $10,000 in, you make 10%, you get $1,000 back. Then you have $11,000 for year two, you make 10% the next year and you make $1,100. And then you have more money the next year, so if you make the same percentage, you get even more money back and it just continues to grow and grow and grow. That, that's the beauty of compound interest. And that's something that the market offers that not not a lot of other um, not a lot of other investments will will be able to do that for you. Mm. The key there is leaving that money in there and letting it compound. It'd be very easy for some people to take that one thousand one hundred at the end of the year and go and buy something nice, which is fine. But to really reap the rewards, and one of the practical ways you do that is by reinvesting your dividends that you get from companies rather than get them paid into your bank account every six months you just let the company know that you want to reinvest those dividends back into the company so the company will buy more stocks with the with the payout of profit that they are allocating you which is the dividend Um, and then over time that's how you really start to build that wealth that you're talking about Ren. yeah 100 percent. yeah i think it's important we point out you know, nothing is guaranteed with the market, but we're basing these calculations on, as you said, what is known as the average market return over a longer period of time. Within that period of time, Ren, it's important to point out that there may have been years when the market drastically went down. And if you had just kept your money in for those that period of time, then you would have lost your money conversely there's periods of time within that that the market has gone up quite significantly and you would have done very well so what you're saying ren is the average market return over a long period of time gives you that whatever it was eight to nine percent yeah exactly so don't get it confused that if you put your money in year on year you're going to get nine percent it's what it averages out to over a longer period of time just want to make that clear yeah now Something interesting, doing some research for this, in Australia over the last 20 years, the share market actually hasn't been the best performing asset class. Have a guess uh, which one has? Property. Yeah, nailed it. So properties returned 10.5% a year, shares are 8.7% a year, bonds 6.8% a year. So property's actually done better in Australia than shares. That shouldn't mean everyone goes and runs out and buys a house. Uh, I think probably the, one of the important things we've learned is that, as you said, different asset classes will perform differently over a different in different years, and diversifying is probably the most important thing. Mm. In Australia, everyone wants to own a house. It's the great Australian dream, but to just own a house is, I, I would say, is a mistake. To try and save up for your house and also put money in the market uh, and also potentially look at something like bonds as well is probably the the better long-term strategy. Mm, agreed. Yeah. Now, one final note on why I like investing in shares more than anything else. 
is something that Seth Klarman, who's a big American investor, wrote about, and he talked about the difference between investing and speculating. It makes a lot of sense to me that if you're investing in a business, you're putting money into a business, you become a part owner in that business, and then the business generates income and profit and it will grow because of the the nature of the business and as an investor your business will grow over time and it will be able to return money to you through you know dividends and um, all of that and so that's an that's an investment then things like buying property even but also you know paintings wine fancy cars all of that he he says that's not investing because the nature of what you're putting your money into is it doesn't it doesn't do anything that produces income you're just buying it because you expect someone to pay more for it in the future mm. and if that expectation is wrong then the actual thing you put your money into isn't doing anything to generate returns for you so for me that makes a lot of sense you know we can see in the australian property market now a lot of people uh, thought they were investing in property because they thought someone else would pay more for it in the future. Turns out their expectations in many cases were wrong and they were actually just speculating. Whereas if you invest in a really good business and people aren't willing to pay more for it in the future, the business, if it's a good business, will keep generating earnings and will keep growing and it will be able to pay you back that way over a long period of time as well. Mm, that's a good point. So, yeah, that that's probably my last reason on why I like stocks more than anything else because yeah intuitively that distinction makes sense to me mm. but hey yeah. it may not make sense to everyone so Ren I guess we, we you started off by saying that you know you look for companies with good valuation that reinvest their own money well um, have good rate of return good cash flow that sort of stuff and we also harp on at various points in time about not picking individual stocks and forgetting stock picking, you know, as an overall strategy, it's very hard to, to beat the market. And so my question, I guess that, you know, some listeners are probably asking is if you're looking for companies like that, how are you actually buying at the moment? Um, are, are you individually stock picking? Are you going ETFs that have those stocks in it? Can you explain explain that? Yeah, so I guess we're a little bit hypoc- hypocritical. <laughs> <laughs> I think for for what what we've learned is that getting the market average return is more than sufficient to really grow your wealth. So when we talk about forget stock picking, uh, that's probably the most logical long-term investment strategy. In saying that, I quite enjoy uh, researching and picking stocks and um, sometimes we get lucky. And so I put some of my money into ETFs and try and leave that for the long term. But then I also put some of my money and try and pick winners as well. And I I think it's probably, you know, some some people might just want to sort of put their money in, forget about it and let it grow over a long period of time. They're probably not the people who are listening to our podcast because they're not that 
interested in the market. They just they just want to make smart financial decisions. I think you know a lot of our listeners are interested in the market and they enjoy learning about stocks and researching and stuff. And for those people, it probably makes sense to do the smart smart thing and put money long term away in ETFs and index funds and just let it grow at market average returns. But then also you know feed your curiosity and you know take a portion of your money and try and pick winners try and do investment research and if you find out you're really bloody good at the thing and you keep picking winners potentially start allocating more and more to that way if you find out you're not great at picking winners just keep keep trying but also make sure you're putting money away for the long term so that that's probably my thing i mean really in a real practical sense uh when the market dipped uh in december i put some money i had saved into some uh us index funds some s&p 500 index funds uh just because i thought you know buy the dip leave it for the long term but then i also took the opportunity to buy a couple of stocks that i thought were a little bit cheap and had good long-term growth potential so that's probably how i personally do it but there's probably no no as we you know we keep saying everyone's got their own way as long as you're making money doesn't really matter what the way you do it yeah or if you're not making money i think the 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 message is just to make sure that you've got a strategy that is diversified enough that if you aren't doing well in the individual stock picking side of things you're also covering yourself with a a less aggressive strategy um, as you said to protect yourself for the longer term all right ren so that's how and why we like to invest uh, we've smashed over our 20 minutes as usual. We're really, we're really good at that. Yeah, but I, I hope that sort of, I hope that gives people an idea of why we did this podcast, why we're still doing it, and uh, what we hope people take away from it. Because you know, next episode's going to be a hundred, and there might be a hundred more in the barrel. And if people aren't getting, you know, that message and they're not getting value from it, then what are we really doing it for? Yeah, exactly. Well, at the end of the day. You know, people always ask, oh, how do you guys get time to do the, epi- the episode, the podcast, all that sort of stuff? And I think our answer is always the same, Ren. Like, we would be doing this regardless if, if, if there was a podcast or not. You know, you and I both really enjoy understanding companies, understanding the economy, how it all works, how it all links together, going down rabbit holes, reading and, you know, and I guess developing our own strategy that we think is going to work over the longer term. So... Um, podcast or not we would be doing this regardless and it just happens that we are recording our journey along the way and I'm stoked that we've made it to 100 and um, a massive thanks to all of our equity mates out there who have joined us along the way and you know at the end of the day as I said Ren I hope um, everyone is getting at least something out of it if it's not just the fact that you know we now barrack for Essendon and Sydney Swans so um, (laughs) get on board Essendon. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, do you have anything else to add, Ren? No, I think that's uh, that probably is a good point to wrap. If people haven't signed up to our Next Top Trader Comp, they should. They probably would have heard an, ep- an ad at the start of the episode. If they haven't signed up to Thought Starters, they should. If they aren't following us on Instagram, they should. Um, that's about it. Yeah, nice. All those resources are resources that we try and 
keep everyone up to date with the latest in what we're learning and thinking and and doing during the week that we otherwise can't get out in podcast form. So certainly sign up to our Thought Starters and join us on Instagram, Facebook, as Ren said. Otherwise, we'll leave it there. 100th episode next uh, with uh, Louise Bedford, which is going to be a good one. Otherwise, Ren, have a good weekend. We'll We'll wrap it up. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation.